It was the summer of 2004. My buddy and I, Rich, were on our annual vacation, which at that point we'd been doing for about 15 years. We drive to the Monterey Bay area and go see uh, the historic car races at uh, uh, Laguna Seca. And then we go to some car auctions just for fun and not to buy any cars, but just to see what the action is. And then we go to Pebble Beach for the Pebble Beach Concorde d'Elegance. That's the big uh, event on that Sunday, third weekend of August, where tens of thousands of people and about a billion dollars worth of these vintage classic cars are all spread out on the 18th fairway at Pebble Beach. They pretty much closed the place down for this show for this one week of the year. And so we were driving around. It was probably a Wednesday or a Thursday driving through the area at Pebble Beach, pretty busy, looking for a place to park. And we come along the side of the lodge, the north side of the lodge, and we see, well, there's kind of a driveway there. Maybe we can park down there. So we kind of head down there, and there's a guy that's standing there kind of looking at us come down, and he and he waves us through. And we go, okay, well, we'll drive down there. Next thing we know, we're driving on the fairway, the 18th fairway, in our Chevy van uh, along the little uh, paved road where they take the golf carts. <laughs> we, we drove all the way the length of the, you know, the, the 550 yards or whatever it is, that uh, fairway and drove all the way down, turned around, came back. No one said anything to us. Uh, we, people just kind of waved at us uh, like we belonged there, like we were part of the crew setting things up. We took a bunch of pictures and I'll, I'll flash these on the screen as we go through there. But it was kind of funny. We went, hmm, they gave us permission. Or maybe, you know, we kind of knew we probably shouldn't have been doing that, but we said, well, we can do this. Who's going to stop us? We have two questions we ask ourselves when we're out uh you know, just hanging out and traveling and doing things. One is, what's the worst that could happen? And number two is, who's going to stop us? I think those are good questions. Uh, we're figuring that we could handle if the worst that could happen actually did happen. We would be told to leave, but we give ourselves permission to drive on the 18th fairway at Pebble Beach in our Chevy van <laughs> right in front of the lodge. It's kind of surreal. Hey, this is Tim Patterson, and you're watching and listening to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for December 9th. 2019. Uh, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching. I do tell, I do, I will say that uh, I'm recording this the day before in the 8th and this 8th, which is the anniversary of the assassination of John Lennon, this first week of, of December is always kind of weird and hard. It's not as hard as it used to be, but I still have a hard time really coming to grips with the fact that someone would shoot a musician because their brain just couldn't, con uh, you know, conceive of him being alive. I don't know what the problem was with that, but anyway, uh, December 6th is also the 31st anniversary of the death of Roy Orbison, the great Caruso of rock and roll. I had seen him in concert just like a month and a half before uh, he died of a heart attack. And he just released a great new album and, uh, you know, just a few personal memories. Uh, but permission is the topic of this show. So I have a couple more stories to share on permission. You've probably heard this one back in the late 50s, early 60s. There's these uh, teenagers from Liverpool who said, you know what? We're going to form a band. we got to do something. We don't see a way out of this city. So we we formed a band, they said to themselves. They, they didn't ask for permission. They just did it. They gave themselves permission. You think, well, why wouldn't they? Uh, who would stop them? Uh, you know, maybe the pressure from parents or society uh, would indicate that they should get a job. They all had were kind of lined up for jobs at some point. Uh, but these young men, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and a few others that uh, kind of came and went, gave themselves permission to start a band and live hand-to-mouth for quite a long time. They played a lot of low-paying uh, low gigs. They drove around in a van with no heat. They went from 
uh, England to Germany for a spell and uh, were booked uh, in the Reeperbahn, the red light district of uh, Hamburg and played eight hours a night. You've probably heard that story. And they gave themselves permission to pursue that sort of life instead of adhering to what their peers or society or their family might have wished that they had done. Now, they got to be good, and they got there after a spell, and once they were good, they got picked by people at record companies that had the power to pick the next artist. That's a different thing than giving yourself permission, but they had given themselves permission to go that far. Seth Godin, the marketer who's written several bestsellers on the topic of marketing, talks about how in the old days... If you wanted to make it, you had to be picked. Today, you pick yourself. The world has changed. Uh, You decide to start that band and release your music directly to the public. You don't have to go through the process of getting picked. Same with writing and publishing a book. You don't have to be picked. You can go direct. The internet really has flattened everything out. It's taken the friction away. It's uh, pretty easy to... Uh, you know, do whatever you'd like creatively or business-wise and work to find the smallest viable audience. Uh, Getting picked is different from giving yourself permission or asking permission. Uh, One more story on a personal note about permission. In my early 30s, uh, ever since I was a kid, let me go back, I I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to be a novelist. Uh, My earliest memories, I wanted to be a cartoonist, but I found I had no talent for that. Uh, But I wanted to write a novel, and I was in my early 30s, and I sat down at the typewriter, remember typewriters, and wrote, and wrote, and wrote. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to create a plot, or a good character, or virtually anything. This was some sort of science fiction thing I wrote, about 100 pages, maybe 150, typewritten. As I mentioned, I wrote it on a typewriter. It's uh, still in a file somewhere. I actually ran across it about a year ago and read a few pages and thought, you know what? That was kind of cool. I, I, I like doing that. Uh, I should do it again. And then I kind of like didn't think about it. Uh, I kind of laughed, not because it was no good, but there were parts of the story that I really liked. And the overall story didn't have much cohesion, not a good storyline, but there were parts I liked. Yet back then, I still didn't believe I could be a writer. I didn't give myself permission to write more than a first draft of a novel. And then I tucked it away because I frankly couldn't imagine myself as a novelist. So fast forward to this year. For years, I've still played with the idea of writing a novel, again, uh, giving it a try anyway. I've had dozens of ideas go, and I make notes and keep discarding them. But finally, you know, I said, I'm going to do it. I finally found a character in my brain that I liked and started to flesh it out in a situation that I liked and started to flesh that out. And I thought, well, let's see what happens. So I gave myself permission to start writing. And I said, you know, you have to you have to carve the time out. So I, uh, you know, I have a work day like everyone else. And I've got a family like uh, so many other people. And my evenings are pretty much taken. So I, I basically, when my work day started, I'd spend the first hour writing. And I'd say, okay. After the hour was up, I moved on to the rest of the day. So every day uh, for the last, uh, well, let's see, I do the math here. 53 days I've been doing this. And I've got like 85,000 words. That's not a bad pace. Uh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm reading a memoir from the famous Japanese novelist Haruki Murakami. It's called when I, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. The book's really not much about running, uh, but about his life and how he got to be a novelist. And it was, it was kind of fluky how he became a novelist. In his late 20s, he was running a small jazz club in Tokyo, you know, working 18-hour days. Did this for a few, de- a, few de- a few years, six days, seven days a week. And slowly, even though he had no business education, he managed to build that little jazz club into a profitable business to the point where he's able to hire a few people instead of doing all the work himself. 
in his memoir, he talked about how he decided he wanted to write a novel. He had never given it a thought before, never dreamed about it, but he was at a baseball game one day, and he actually named the date and the time and the situation on the baseball field of what who was on base and all that stuff. He said to himself that the thought just popped into my head. I, I want to write a novel. And he gave himself permission to sit down and write a novel. He he penned it, uh, made one copy of it. I mean, he, he, he wrote it. That was the only uh, copy. And he sent it off to a contest and forgot about it. And a few months later, he got a call and said, hey, your, 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 uh, your novel is, has been placed and actually someone wants to publish it. And he became, I mean, that's kind of the short version, but he became a novelist because he gave himself permission to write. Uh, he talked to his wife. Uh, they closed the club and he decided to write for a year to see what would become out of his idea to write another novel. Without going into all the details, it obviously worked out because he's a very famous novelist. His novel was submitted to a contest. Uh, got it published. Uh, but bottom line, once he you know, had the idea, he had to give himself permission to write because he was not a novelist. He just decided, I'm going to do it, and I give myself permission to do it. I think that many creative people who are working a job, uh, and are, you know, a couple of jobs, and trying to create something like that, or even those in business, often want to do something that's out of the bounds of what they normally do, and they don't feel they can do it. Could be they work in a busy office and have an idea that they think will help the company maybe. Uh, but often the situation is that many companies don't welcome new ideas. So if a person is uh, going to pursue the idea or make something happen, no one gives them permission to do it. So they don't do it, which means if it's going to happen, they've got to give themselves permission. Now, they might have to ask those two questions, which I posed at the very beginning. One, what's the worst that could happen? And number two, who's going to stop you? <laughs> I realize each work situation is different. But what about something you can do? You want to write music and uh, can't find the time? Want to become a runner and do a marathon but feel you're not able to get in shape? Want to learn basket weaving but think people might think you're dumb for doing something like that? I mean, there's all sorts of situations. You really kind of have to say, I give myself permission to do that. It's, it's kind of a gift to yourself. Giving yourself permission to pursue that thing that eats at you, that gnaws at you, but for some reason you've been, you know, kind of pushing it away. Like I said, I finally gave myself permission to write that novel. I'm roughly, like I said, 80, 85,000 words into it. Figure I'm about two-thirds of the way through. And I realized that once the first draft is done, once I got the story in place and the arc of the characters and how it all works out and ends, that's when the real work begins. I get to go back and make it, make it really work. Uh, because up to now, uh, giving myself to, uh, permission to write a long piece of fiction, a novel, has opened up, uh, s frankly, so many things I never thought possible. I just didn't imagine them happening. Like, I, it's, it's exhilarating to me when I get thinking about the next few steps of the story or what happens when you create characters in a situation and then you imagine what's going to happen and you learn about the characters and how they're going to move, what motivates them, why are they doing th some things. Uh, they do things you never could have anticipated how some minor character that you introduced early becomes extremely critical to the story a few chapters later. I mean, it's it's fun. It's crazy. Stuff I never thought would happen. And I know the next step, like I mentioned, the second draft where I get to fix a lot of things in the timeline and clean up some of the characters' movements and spell out their motivation. It's it's really a hell of a process, and, and I'm loving it. But it happened only because I gave myself permission. Now, here's the flip side of that story. There's also the concept of giving yourself permission to not do something. Uh, earlier this year, I set up my new Mac. 
I bought a piece of software called Logic Pro X. It's a music creation software. And for years, I've been wanting to do more uh, music recording, writing. I, I actually write a fair amount of music, um, at least bits and pieces. I have a number of songs I've written. Uh, over the last 30 years, I probably have 100 songs that are kind of tucked away somewhere. Some of them okay, you know. <laughs> uh, and I spent a few months watching tutorials on this software because, frankly, it's a complicated piece of work. And I was going to do that. And then I got this idea for the novel. So I had to choose. What do I pursue in my very limited time that I can carve out? What do I set aside? You know, honestly, I kept thinking it would work itself out and I could I could do both. But eventually, I had to give myself permission to focus on one thing and set the other aside. Let it go, which meant not doing that thing for several months. You know, there's only so many hours in a day, right? I got a business to run, a family to be a part of. I got a dog to walk. Every day, he insists, rain, shine, sun, snow. So, yeah, wish me luck on how it all turns out. I'll probably need it. So, what... Do you need to give yourself permission to do? Hey, this week's uh, trade show tip. Uh, well, let's keep this theme going. I mean, what is your company not doing in trade show marketing that you think you should be doing? Can you give yourself permission to try something new and different? Uh, maybe permission to invest in a bigger exhibit, a newer thing that just kind of looks wow? Or, or the opposite. Give yourself permission to, to say, you know, we don't need that big island exhibit, we can do with just a small inline. We really don't need that big one. Give yourself permission to downsize. I mean, uh, do things have to stay the same? Can you hire a professional presenter to tell your story during the during the hours of the trade show? Uh, three times an hour, maybe? Uh, all hours of the day? I mean, that, that's a lot. That's interesting investment, uh, but it, it, it opened things up. Can you create a unique giveaway or contest or something and promote it on social media that you've never done before? Can you come up with something you've never done before? Can you give yourself permission? What does it take? Yeah, can you just consider it? And then give yourself and your company permission to see what happens. Hey, this week's uh, One Good Thing. We'll wrap it up here on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee again for December 9th. I appreciate you watching or listening. Uh, Friday night, went over to my buddy Roger's house and we watched the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, win the Pac-12 championship. A cakewalk over the Utah Utes. The Utes were favored, but boy, the Ducks came to play. They get to play in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. That's uh, this week's One Good Thing. That was a great game. Great game. Anyway, have yourself a great week and I'll catch you next time here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning coffee. And don't forget to give yourself permission.